Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the uh, Larson Hicks podcast uh, slash YouTube channel. It's great to be here. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a minute. <clears throat> I've had just like allergies, I don't know, sinus issues. I don't know what to, what what it is. I thought it was a cold or something and it's kind of come and gone and just sort of lingered and and here in Huntsville, Alabama right now, the weather is everything's blooming. <clears throat> Pollen is coating the uh, the cars. So, I think it's that. I think I finally I'm I'm, I'm officially a Huntsville person now because I've, I've become allergic to its pollen. So I, so, um, I think that makes me official. So, um, but I wanted to record a video. It's been a minute and, um, I want to just kind of get back on the horse, uh, with respect to this channel. And one of the things that came up this week at church, um, there was a family, uh, who, uh, were Baptists and really committed Baptist, very serious Baptist, nine marks, you know, reformed Baptist who really felt very strongly about um, their um, Baptist convictions. And, um, and anyway, they, they were visiting church and they let me know on Sunday that, Hey, we're, we're, we're joining this church. We've, we've left our church and we're coming uh, to, to yours. Um, and uh, I said, Oh, that's crazy. What, you know, what happened? And, um, we had had lunch with these folks a couple weeks ago. Um, their friends uh, are members of our church and had had invited them and um, invited us to, to lunch. And we, they kind of just cornered me and wanted to talk about this whole thing, this whole baptism thing. And so we just talked and we, we kind of went uh, over a lot of different things. I don't think I made any arguments, <clears throat> any new biblical arguments that I hadn't heard. Um, but um, he told me on Sunday that there was there was one particular story I told that had a big impact on him. So I figured I'd share it because maybe it, it'll it'll be uh, helpful for for some of you out there who are looking looking at this and thinking about it. Um, and, and and I'll start by just saying I don't think anybody who grew up Baptist like I did leaves that conviction easily or slowly. And and frankly, I think it's a great thing. I don't think we should be quick to um to just kind of like abandon our the beliefs that we were raised with and trained with it's a whole way of seeing the bible frankly and 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 it's not a quick switch if it's a quick switch i think it's almost uh that, that's a little scary to me in a lot of ways like if it's not something that you have to really wrestle with um that takes a little bit of time um you know i, I i'm not saying that can't happen uh but 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 uh i don't think it's a bad thing at all that people take time um, years in, in a lot of cases to, to kind of work through those convictions. Um, and so one of the, one of the things I said is that I, I really don't think anybody who makes that jump from being kind of a reformed Baptist to becoming a, a pedo Baptist, that, um, anybody really makes that jump on purely theological grounds. I think, um, the arguments are there. You can see them. I think they're both, uh, I, I think the arguments are strong. But I don't think they're strong enough to to uh, to compel somebody completely on, on on the face of them. I think what what really 
does it for most people. What certainly did it for me is living in community, uh, living in a healthy Pado Baptist church community, and seeing the fruit of that um, of that theology working its way out in a consistent um, way. So. The problem is that there are so many paedo-baptists in, in the Baptist world and in the Catholic world and in the Episcopalian world and Lutheran that don't live out their faith, uh, live out the, the teaching of this uh, faithfully. Um, most of those people don't admit children to the Lord's table, which feels like an inconsistency to Baptists, and I think it is. Um, and they also, um, <clears throat> baptism ends up being kind of stripped of its meaning and its purpose and it becomes kind of a wet baby dedication um and and it doesn't um it it, there's still this like well we're not really sure though like you're you're baptized but we only know if you're like legit so we're gonna kind of wait and see and so you end up with like catholic confirmation presbyterians do the same thing it's you know call it what you want to call it but it's the same thing they've they've got you know first holy communion essentially and confirmation process and so the uh, the story that, that I told this guy, um, uh, you know, I'll, I won't I won't continue down all the different arguments, um, but the story that I told the guy um, was I was I was in the Pacific Northwest for for about twelve years. I'll take a sip of tea here in my pink cup. Um, it's just one of the bigger cups, and so it holds a lot of tea, and I didn't want to go refill a bunch of times. So the story. Um, so I promoted concerts, um, and these were all secular indie rock bands, indie folk bands, uh, a lot of bands from the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so when I lived up in, in Idaho, <clears throat> um, that was just a side hustle idea. I put on about 100 concerts, and I put on a couple of music festivals. And so something I was big into, and every show I'd have you know a headliner and a supporting band and usually an, an opener. And so there's usually three bands. Um, um, you know, most of them always out of town folks, people I'd never met before, and very frequently from the Northwest or California. Um, and uh, and so <clears throat> there's a green room in the back where where you know when when there's sound checks happening and when the opening band's playing, we're kind of hanging out in the back talking. I, and and um, you know I, I was big on hospitality and hanging out and getting to know these folks. And inevitably, you know, one of the first questions is, well, hey, are you married? You know, do you have kids? Tell me about your kids. And this, I had this experience a bunch of times where a band, you know, somebody in a band would say, oh yeah, you know, I'm married, I've got kids, I got a, I got a little boy. And, uh, oh, tell me about your boy, what's he like? Oh man, he is just, he's so fun, he's into everything. He, he loves trucks and he loves anything, guns, you know, military stuff, he's just all over it. And as soon as those, like you could see on their face that they were, they were like uh, nervous saying those things, and and almost immediately followed following that statement was, but we never forced it on them. Like we never forced the the male stuff. We gave them dolls. We gave them um, the options. He's just he just chose the boy stuff. He's just so into the boy stuff or the girl stuff. You'd have the same same conversation about girls, and you know. You know, keep in mind this is this is 2000 and, and this is this is 10 15 years ago right that most of these conversations are happening so this is like well before I think a lot of this stuff is like hit the mainstream which is also an, an interesting point that 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 we're sort of seeing that stuff really hit the mainstream right now 
but um, it was it was it was there in Portland and Seattle. Um, it's been there for for twenty years, um, yeah, or more, you know, thirty years, and it's just now starting to really rear its head in a, in a way that's like undeniable in public. So anyway, so I always thought these conversations were, were really interesting that that they were apologizing for the fact that their kids um, chose you know the gender that they were born with and they wanted to really make sure it was clear that to me that they didn't force gender on their kids. Um, I just think about the the psychological damage that that does. Imagine growing up with your parents saying, you may be a boy, you may not be a boy, you may be a girl. We don't really know what you are. We'll see, right? Um, and so you're always kind of looking around, you know, and and questioning, well, am I a boy? Like I, I, I like I like this pink mug. Does that does that mean I'm a girl? Maybe I am a girl, you know. And it kind of it, it causes you to it causes you to have this kind of confusion and and ask these questions that you wouldn't be asking, and uh, and I and and I just think about it, you know, frankly, I think it's it's child abuse. I mean, I think it's psychological abuse to your children to 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 treat them that way. Um, but the the um, the thing that that um, the Baptists do that that I think um, is very much a similar thing is we go, well, you say you're a Christian, uh, and 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 frankly, I say Baptist, but really, a lot of Presbyterians do the same thing. Um, you know. We think you're elect, but we're not really sure. So, yeah, you're baptized in the Presbyterian sense, or or as a as a Baptist. Yeah, you're saying you love Jesus. You say you like to come to church and you like God's people, but we're gonna just wait and see. You know, if if you produce fruit and if and if it's sincere before we take the step to baptize you, like, because um, because we can't say for sure, and this could be fake, and and it it creates this tension, I think, um, and I think I think it's. In a lot of ways, I think it's worse in the Presbyterian world, where where it's like you're baptized, but you're not allowed to come to the table, and so the, the you're always telling your kid, well, yeah, you're in. We think you're a Christian, but we're not really totally sure yet, so we're not going to let you come sit at the table. It's like at my dinner table. When do I let my kids come to the dinner table? Like it, that's the dinner table for Hicks children. You know, my my little, I've got a little newborn who's five months old or whatever. She is being held by somebody at the table while we're having dinner. You know, it's not like, and she can't even eat solid food yet, but she's at the table because she's she's a Hicks. She's one of us. That's her place is at this table. And so I imagine the emotional, psychological damage that it, it would cause for our little one to say, well, you know, yeah, you're eating solid food. Um, you can talk, but, you know, we're not really sure yet if, if you are, are really one of us and so we're gonna have you eat dinner in another room um, and we're gonna eat dinner the, the Hicks family's gonna eat dinner but you're gonna be over there and we'll just see you know if, if you really if you really uh, show some fruit and show some maturity and prove that you really want to be a Hicks and you're good at it and it's sincere and it's from the heart then, then maybe we'll let you come to the table so I think the same things happening like I said in, in the Presbyterian world with with uh, folks that that are really slow to admit children to the table and have a really high bar about fencing the table. Um, and then I think on the, on the Baptist world, it's just with baptism and, and, you know, this, this, uh, super hardcore perspective of like, um, we're not going to baptize you until you've like left the house and you've like born fruit in your life. And we can really see that it's legit. And, you know, what, what I was taught, um, by my pastor up in Idaho for years was, 
um, that when kids, when, when a kid disobeys, the reaction of a Baptist is, yeah, well, he's a sinner. He's, he's on, you know, unregenerate. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's what we, that's why, that's why he needs Jesus. That's why we need to evangelize him. And hopefully someday he'll come to Jesus, uh, for a, a, a uh, for a Presbyterian who doesn't practice communion, um, with, with kids, um, doesn't invite kids to the table. They go, yeah, you know, he may not be regenerate. I don't know. We'll see, you know, we'll see how he turns out. Um, we want to we want to say he's a Christian, but but we'll see. I'm not really sure with that with that kind of attitude. Maybe he's not. Um, I think of that terrible parenting uh, thing that I've been tempted to say myself to kids. You know, I'll treat you like a man when you start acting like a man. I think that's that's totally backwards. I think the way that we we train up young men to be men is to say to them, "You are a man," and men don't treat women this way, or men don't behave this way, and and therefore. That's the standard I'm holding you to. I, I had this issue just yesterday. Um, one of my little boys um, got frustrated with his sister, um, his older sister, and he and he hit her, and um, he got a big spanking for it. And and um, the and and I just said, look, I don't need to hear any anything about what happened, other than the fact that you know, did you yes or no hit your sister? We don't do that. We're men. We protect women. We honor women. And we never use our strength against women, and um, and that's it. And and for him, I'm calling him. Um, I'm grabbing him by his by his God-given gender and biology, and saying, "This is who God made you to be. God made you strong and aggressive, and that is something you're supposed to use in a particular way to bless and serve um, um, your family." And and you're never supposed to turn that on on your on your sisters. Um, and so in the same way with what I was taught um, in Idaho was you grab your kids by your by their baptism. It's the same sort of thing. You say, um, son, we're Christians. This is what how God's law instructs us to live, and this is this is uh, how you're living. And, th- and we as Christians, uh, you're baptized believer. Um, this is how we this is how we live. Um, and you know when you look at scripture, it's like that's what that's what what we're commanded to do. You know, I mean, go go back to to uh, uh, the Shema, right? In um, in Deuteronomy six, you know, Hear O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Um, you know, we we are to teach our our children um, from from the very beginning while we're walking on the road. You know, we're we're to tell them about God's mighty works, and we're to teach them how to live. We're to teach them. Um, what God's done for us and what He expects of us, and how we're to respond. Um, and so it's 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 how uh, Scripture commands parents to live and how to train their kids. And there's just this weird tension and inconsistency um, that I think Baptists have to live with, where they love their kids desperately, they want to train them and teach them God's word, but they can't call them Christians. And um, and it's like we can never get out of the starting gates like we can't move towards maturity because um we've we've got to see them prove that they're really christians first and then we can start working on maturity in the faith where it's like um the promise to abraham is to his children uh and his children's children to a thousand generations as god's people um we are inheritors of that promise and um and we get to claim it on our children's behalf and own it and look people fall away 
from the faith. As a matter of fact, um, this is one of the big hangups, I think, with, with a lot of Presbyterians is, well, um, they can't, if, if, if they can, if they fall away, they didn't really fall away. They were just never really saved in any real way. And this is where kind of what's been called the federal vision has gotten, uh, gotten real, um, gotten a lot of people in a lot of trouble, but, but it's, but it's a, it's a real thing. It's Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who don't bear fruit are chopped off and thrown in the fire. Well, what were they connected to before they were chopped off and thrown into the fire? Were they just hovering next to the tree, kind of pretending to be connected, but they weren't really connected? No, they were connected to Jesus uh, in a real way, in a, in, a leg- in, a, in a substantive way. And and I'm not God. I don't understand the mysteries of, of what all is happening, what his spirit is doing. I mean, I look at um, who is in the New Testament, uh, Simon, um, the, the magician, right? The guy who... Uh, who it says he he received the spirit um, and and uh, was doing was doing uh, um, miracles uh, essentially, but then this guy uh, fell away. Clearly, seems to have fallen away. Um, so so what's up with that? You know, how does that work? Well, I, I think in I think um, if we're gonna try to be so tidy that that God that, that there's not a category for for people to fall away from the faith, um, then then uh, then then this then this doctrine is going to be really challenging and i and i think um but baptists have the same problem you know i mean i i was i was a baptist i watched my friends get baptized and rebaptized every time they fell away and rededicated their lives i was like okay it's going to stick this time last time it wasn't sincere but this time it's really emotional therefore it must be super sincere and it's like how about you're one of god's people and you're broken you're a mess you're a sinner um you have peaks and valleys just like david did um, you don't lose your salvation. You may um, you may um, lose the joy of your salvation. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Um, you may lose that. You may feel the distance and the separation from God and from His Spirit that 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 your sin has caused. Um, but that doesn't make you not a believer. What makes you not a believer is abandoning the faith entirely and rejecting Christ and and um, and and. Uh, remaining in your unrepentant state right um, but our kids you know my I don't have any kids like that you know I've got I've got seven kids um, they're all sinners I promise you that um, and they've all had they they've all had um, different periods of stubbornness about different sins in the same way that I have um, but they're Christians it doesn't make them less a Christian and they're learning they've been learning since they were very very little what repentance looks like, how to make things right, how to apologize both to each other or the people they've sinned against and to God. And, um, and so that's a habit that's deeply, deeply ingrained in them. Um, and I get to do that because I believe they're, they're Christians. I've baptized them. Uh, they've been baptized uh, because God's put his mark on, on them and claimed them. And so I get to train them up as Christians and trust God, um, to, um, to, to, uh, to save them and to um, regenerate their hearts, and I don't know how and when and why, and I don't think that it's um, that I get to just point to the baptism and say, "Well, there, there it is. It's settled. It's final. They're they're a believer, and and they don't have any obligation. It doesn't matter what happens now. They're saved." The covenant, you know, the definition of covenant that I learned uh, is a self maledictory oath with attendant blessings and curses. So. It's a it's a promise where you say 
you know, may, may, may this harm this, this, you know, I'm going to cut a covenant. I'm going to cut a, 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 a animal in half. I'm going to pass through it. I'm going to say, if I break this covenant, let that happen to me. Let me be cut in half in the same way that that, that, that animal was. Or like the rainbow. You know, the rainbow is a bow pointed up at God where he's basically saying, um, may, if I break this promise, um, may, may this um, destruction and harm come upon me. So it's a self-maledictory oath with attendant blessings and curses. There's 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 blessings for for um, for uh, remaining in covenant and keeping covenant, and there's curses for breaking covenant and and not keeping covenant. And that's that's the nature of how God deals with has how God has dealt with mankind since the beginning of, of time, um, and uh, and it remains the case. Um, so I'm going off on all kinds of tangents. Um, I really wanted to just tell the story about um, about what I think is a, a really good example of the kind of um, weird psychological games that that we're playing with our kids when we um, try to try to um, remain consistent with our Baptist theology or our fencing the table election theology. I think that's I think I think there's a there's a wonderful middle way. Um, and that that way is um, is ref- has has a precedent uh, old uh, precedent in the church that goes all the way back and it's it's claiming God's promises um, baptizing children households there's believers baptism there's also covenant baptism where you're baptizing children or households um, and um, and um, and, the, and and that, that's God putting his mark on him um, God covenanting with them, and then there's attendant, you know, blessings and curses for for those who are on the other end of that covenant. So, I'll stop there. I hope that's helpful. I don't, I, you know, I kind of rambled and went on a bunch of different rabbit trails, but I'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, uh, comments. Maybe opening a much bigger can of worms than I want to try to um, tackle, but um, but um, I, I hope that was helpful. So thanks for tuning in, and we will uh, see you next time. All right. Bye.